Hey, ladies. Hey, gentlemen. Hey, kids. Hey, whoever the hell is listening to this. This is Anthony, the jock from the Jock and Nerd podcast, and you are listening to the spinoff show. This episode I have on Cole Johnson. Um, this is a gentleman that I was introduced to through Imran and through Jason Dutch from Voice from the Underground. Cole has a couple podcasts, Cole Sports, Revelations. Um, he also has, which is a, Revelations is a interview podcast, Cole Sports, obviously about sports. And then he also has a divorce podcast that we get into on this show. Really interesting dude. I really enjoyed talking to the guy. The first time I've ever actually had a conversation with him, but he's a super chill dude. And uh, we get into a lot of different topics, uh, closing it out with a lot of sports stuff. So um, it was a lot of fun and I really enjoyed doing it. And now you're about to check this episode out. This is the Jock Spinner Show. Well, Johnson, we are recording. We are not live, but we are recording. How's it going? Uh, going good. Going yeah. good. Uh, um. Uh, living the dream. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, this is another one of those guys where not only did um, Jason from Voice from the Underground recommend I talk to you, but even Imran was like, "You got to talk to Cole Johnson, Cole Sports." You know, you got you got to talk to that guy. I was like, "Who the hell is Cole Johnson?" <laughs> <laughs> so. I, did, uh, I came into I, this com- I, I a little love, bit blind. I love the impression that I have given you. That's nice. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, who's Cole Johnson? Why am I going to talk to him? You know what? Whatever. I'm just going to reach out to this guy. Thanks, Jason, for uh, setting up an intro on Facebook. And I'm just going to schedule something with him because I have no idea what he does. But <laughs> what, what, what do you do? What in, <laughs> why, are, why, is, why are people recommending I talk to you? Well, firstly, thank you, Dutch. I appreciate the uh, intro that you gave uh, Anthony and me. Uh, secondly, hello, Imran. And thirdly... Don't say hi to him. He sucks. Wow. Yeah. The brotherly love is just pouring out of your spirit. <laughs> just pouring from you. I love it. Uh, and, th- <laughs> and, and, and thirdly, the name is Cold... Well, okay, Here, here's the normal introduction I always give every time I'm on Voice from the Underground. I am Cole Johnson of Cole Sports, oh. and and I have done that show for about three and a half years. And I came onto the scene with that show. Uh, the the short answer to that part is my wife was doing a, a, a syndicated radio show. She felt as though I had the voice and the knowledge to talk sports for two minutes. She said, "Well, why don't you come up with a." Two minute segment gave me 30 minutes to write the segment down. So I did it. I came up with the hook that I, you just heard. <laughs> and the next thing you know, she says that hook, you need to do it every time you go on a show. And every time you do a show, I'm like, Oh, great. I'm going to be considered one of these a- absolute arrogant jack offs. I don't think that people are going to like me. They're, gonna, they're probably going to think, Oh, he's an arrogant fool. Mm-hmm. But seemingly it seems to work. And three years later, people say, yeah, every time you get on a show, do that. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's like I've, I've heard. I've, it's like I've heard this from my my wife and now all my podcasting friends, including including the, the VFU. So I'm like, okay, I'll do that. So along the lines of this journey that started back in January 2016, mm-hmm. I started to do an interview uh, portion of the of the show, and 
what I discovered was it was so good it could stand on its own. And then that spawned into the, the second podcast I do called Revelations. Oh, not uh, there's no there's no tone or inflection in your voice when you say the name of that show. No, 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 <laughs> n- no, no. Pretty it's, serious. Yes, yes, yes. It's it's a little it's a little more it's a little more the serious side because mm. cold sports is definitely the high octane energetic side of me. Uh, Revelations is a little more the 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 quiet, the serious, the 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 journalistic toned version of me because mm. well my my day job is I am a digital producer for USA Today, so I am a journalist by trade. And wow. and so this basically this basically feeds my journalistic uh, Jones per se. Mm-hmm. And then I wrote a book, and it was on divorce. And I was like, okay, well, let me see if I can do something with this book. And the next thing you know, I'm hearing this wonderful still small voice. I'm a Christian. This wonderful still small voice saying you know what, you should do a podcast on the book or based on the book and based on, thing, based on the things you've written in the book. I'm like, I don't have time to do was one. Was that Jesus talking to you? It probably was. <laughs> so I, I'm like, I don't have time to do this. It's like, trust me, do it. I'm like, like, fine. And so I have a third podcast called Get Over Divorce. And it's sort oh, of my a, goodness. So it's sort of as like, I guess you could say it's energetic wise. It's like a hybrid of the two. Mm-hmm. And it's it basically just talks about the different things in the journey through a person who has been through divorce and also a person who's been through heartbreak because, well, all of us have been through heartbreak at one point or another at one juncture at a time or another. And Mm -hmm. uh, that one has basically started. mm, This is like August of this year. So this is a new one. Okay. And those are three things. uh, Those are three podcasts I've done. And yeah, that's pretty much me: journalist, podcaster, content create, and uh, content producer, podcast producer, and author. Wow! Look at you. How do you find time to do anything else? I have no. <laughs> You've got a full idea. plate. How often are the shows coming out? Uh, all three of them are once a week. Wow! How, uh, how long? Uh, both Cold Sports and Revelations. Those are roughly an hour long. Uh, and get over divorce is a half hour long. Now I might do specials that extend longer, but those are normally normally the the times of each show. Now there are special shows I normally do with both Revelations and Cold Sports, which would probably be about ninety minutes or two hours long. But the average show, an hour long for Cold Sports and hour long for Revelations, thirty minutes for Get Over Divorce. You can talk. Every week about getting over divorce? Yeah. At least I've done it for a month. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, it's, I have, what I have discovered is I can't believe I've learned so many things about that journey, about mm. this one particular journey. I've learned so much about myself. And, and, and I think there's going to be times where I'm going to probably run into a similar type of subject, but I'm talking about it in a different way because I got a different revelation about it. And yeah, um, <laughs> it, it's a, it, it's one of those subject matters that I really don't want to talk about, not because I'm uh, fearful of it, but because, well, who wants to talk about divorce and basically be like, yeah, I'm still the life of the party. Although I talk about how you have fouled up your life. Yes. Right. That's not the greatest 
party uh, yeah, <laughs> party <that's>, trick introductor. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, yeah, I, I wouldn't go with that. Wouldn't be the lead that I would start with when I go, like, hey Cole, like what? What are some of your interests? Well, I got a podcast where I talk about divorce. <laughs> oh, right. So dude, you suck, man. Why this? Why did you? You're not the life of the party anymore. Why did right. you do that? I just went through a divorce. What? <laughs> so yeah. So <laughs> this is funny, and I will credit I will credit Dutch from uh, VFU for this. So when I got onto his show the first time after we were after we stopped recording, he said, "Dude, what what was that energy that you normally bring to your show?" Like. What are you talking about? I was myself. I say, no, 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 no. You need to bring that energy. I'm like, okay, fine. So after that, every show I have been a guest on, that's how I've always started. And you'll hear that's how I'll end every show too, because seemingly that's the hook that people love. And I guess it gets me going too, as well as it gets others going as well. And yeah. The, the energy or the divorce? Energy. Okay. <laughs> no, no, the, 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 no, 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 the, the, the cold sports hook. Yeah, that yeah, one. That one. Okay. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It's wonderful. Divorce is great. Yes, you should split for your wife or husband. That's wonderful. Definitely, because you'll win a grand prize of being alone in four walls. Yes. <laughs> no, no, no. Did, so you've obviously, obviously, or maybe not obviously, you've been through a divorce. Yes, I have. I have not been it. through one. But I can I can honestly say that I am better for it, mm. and I am happy that I went through it because I have learned more about myself with that one particular journey than with any other thing I have endured in my life, mm. and I have become a better person. So I, I don't I don't I don't have the normal bitterness that has been hyped up publicly that you should be. Uh, whenever someone says you're divorced, that you're supposed to just reel off one insult after another about your ex. Mm. I don't really feel that energy to That's do that good. with mine. Yeah, I really don't feel that. Did you ever feel that energy? Oh yes, and yeah. that's part and that's part of that's part of why the show was created because mm. you know I, you know I'm like yeah I'm to the point where I can wish my ex wife well and I can hope that she has a wonderful life without me. That was not always the case. Right, right. <laughs> and here's, here's stories as to what, how that has been for me and how that has made me look. Mm-hmm. So yes, I try to give an unflinching raw perspective on the journey from the time you, the time you get separation notice to the time after where you can look back and say, you know what? I'm a better person for this journey mm-hmm. because all the points in between, there's a lot of warts. And a lot of bumps and a lot of potholes in the road. Mm-hmm. I mean, the thing about any sort of relationship that ends, and I and I can't relate to being ever divorced because I've never been married, but I've certainly been in relationships that have ended, mm-hmm. you know, because they had to end for whatever reason. Right. Um, it is it is nice though. I think when you know when time is passed and you you've maybe. Um, come to terms with everything that you can remember the good stuff and still appreciate all the the journey, the bumps, the you know the bruises, all that stuff mm-hmm. for hopefully making you better for that next time there is a relationship. Right, and that that's why I didn't want to just straight specifically say, okay, this is just for divorcees because you non-married people you can't get what I'm saying. Right, you know, because basically I look at divorce as the ultimate heartbreak, so. Mm. You go through a lot of the things in a divorce that you would through a normal heartbreak. The only di- the only differences are that you you're married and you have to go through a legal and legal separation, and there's other things too that go along with it. 
But there's a lot of the same things, such as egos being bruised, such mm. as uh, such as uh, having the having the raw feelings, such as calling your ex the worst names that you can think of, uh, su- right. <laughs> such as swearing him or her off. Uh, you know, uh, uh, there's there's a lot of the same things, the bitterness and the angst and the and the torture. Same thing that you go through in a heartbreak, you do go through in divorce. There's just other elements mm-hmm. to a divorce that you go through that you don't in heartbreak. But it's 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 extremely similar emotionally. Mm. And what the reason why you- I can say that is I have been through both. I've been through heartbreak, non married, and I've been heart- through heartbreak while married. So and it's pretty similar. Yeah. I mean, other than that big marriage thing that was yeah. a lot of money was probably spent on. Right. right. <laughs> <laughs> what made you, I'm, I'm just, I want to stay on this topic for a little bit. What, what made you stay, like, what made you go, you know what, I'm going to do this, this podcast. This is, I'm going to, I'm going to start this one. So I was doing, I was doing this book. It's called Be Better Than Before. And I got finished. Oh, the book is out? Yeah, it, it, it's out. Okay, but I, 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 but I didn't feel the the energy of. Yeah, I think this could stand by itself. This could, this could stand alone. So, uh, I uh, got what we got together with my wife. We created a website, and then I was like, okay. So then I did an audio, a, a just a just a free eight minute audio. It's called How to Heal from Heartbreak. Mm-hmm. And I liked the message of it, and I liked the tone of it, and I was settled with it. But I was like, okay, I think there's more that needs to needs to be done with it. And almost as soon as that thought came out of my head, then the the the, the, the still small voice says to me, "Yes, that's a podcast you need to do now." Mm-hmm. I'm like, no. <laughs> I already do two. What the That's hell, right. man? I already do. Yeah, I have two. I don't need a third. <laughs> so yeah, and 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 so I I stewed on it, on it and sat on it for roughly two months, I'd say. Mm-hmm. And the third month, I just prepared the first few episodes for it, so I'd get an understanding, a gist, and a feel as to how I would be in that space. Because I, you know, I'm saying to myself, okay. I don't want to be like whole sports where I can be irreverent, where I can, <laughs> where, where I can, I can sound intelligent on one hand and I can be a clown on the other hand. And it makes sense uh, because this is too hard of a subject for me to be a clown unless I'm being, unless I'm being self aggrandizing. Mm. I, I can't really be low brow and I can't really be low key like I would be on revelations because, well, I don't want to appear as though I'm uncaring or unemotional because this is a highly emotional thing. So I was like, how can I marry the two? So for a whole month, I was tossing about the the different topics that I can do to start off the tone I wanted to take. And of course I I thought about the music that I wanted to have with it. And if it was going to be segmented or not, or am I, and what the, what the segments would be titled. And so I just went through the process of building it. And I just cut on the mic la- uh, in, in August and said, okay, let her rip. And I'm now four episodes in. The fifth one will be, uh, well, as of now, four episodes in, and there's going to be more to come. And do you usually do it so like this, this, this show, a solo show, or do you 
plan on having guests. I'm sorry, I haven't listened to. I, no, no. I wasn't trying to put up a, uh, a divorce podcast to prep for this. No, 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 <laughs> no. I'm I'm fine with this because well, I you know I it, it's it actually it's actually been refreshing to talk about this now because you know people have me on for talking about sports or mm. uh, they want to talk about you know deep things because they know that I that I can hold a conversation in interviews. Mm-hmm. So it's this is sort of a, a peek into really who I am and one of the biggest hurdles I have well the biggest hurdle I've climbed and scaled and successfully uh successfully negotiated. Right. So I yeah, I have no problem with that. Uh yeah, go ahead, I'm sorry. I was gonna say have you had guests on that show or uh, I, do, what's the format? I, I have not had guests on the show. Uh the format is it is straight solo, however, I do plan on having people like do a segment, uh, sort of like divorce from their eyes or heartbreak from their eyes. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I'm, I, I will definitely be on the lookout for, for those who would want to do something 10 minutes worth of maybe a story of how you, how your divorce went or, uh, tips that you may have as to, uh, looking at the heartbreak that you've had on the healing side of things, uh, and I might even have—I might even create another segment where the person is actually in the throes of it, mm. and and the bitterness is still there, and the anger is still there, and the angst is still there. I haven't—I've to- tossed about the the st- the story of another person on the show. I've tossed that idea, and I think I'm going to use it. I—I'm—I I, I haven't really fleshed out. If a person is really in it at that moment, I haven't thought of thought that through as to how I'm going to present that yet, mm-hmm. but I think that I'm going to do that too. So it's mostly a solo show, but it's not going to be strictly a solo show. Cold sports basically is a strictly solo show, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, get over divorce is not going to be strictly a divorce, uh, a strictly a solo show, but it's going to be mostly, mostly solo. That's, that's interesting that you, you're able to, to pull off these solo shows. I remember I re- remember trying to record stuff for our Patreon where we do bonus content and I'll do stuff solo. Mm-hmm. And after maybe 5 minutes of talking I'm like this sucks. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not I have no one to bounce off of, no exchange of ideas. I'm just talking by my by myself. The, the people that can pull off solo shows I really admire cuz I just don't Thank find you. myself all that inter- entertaining when I'm talking by myself. Well, it took a while for me to really get the get the feel of doing it. Well, I'm an only child, so I've I, oh, nice. I, I've so learned. Long. Cool. Yeah. So, in in my only childdom, and I think you understand this a little bit, I've gotten an understanding as to how to entertain myself. So, oh, absolutely. You know, so I, you know, I've heard the I've heard others say, "Well, I don't know if I can do it solo. I need to, have, like you said, bounce ideas off of people, bounce energies off of others." Which is fine, and I totally get it because the very first episode of Cold Sports, I with no bumpers, no music, no commercials, no editing, just straight me talking. Uh, it was mm, two hours worth of me, and mm. listening to that, I could totally get why someone would say, uh, "No, I, I either must have been bored." Or I must have wanted to bore people. I'm like, mm, no, no, we got to punch <laughs> this up somehow. So I've dressed it up and 
it is not just two hours of me talking now. So <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've learned how to be energe- energetic and engaging, even in get over divorce, which is not quite as energetic. Sure. But I've, but I've learned how to be engaging and entertaining and, and learn how to do it in a subtle way and learn how to do it in an in your face way too. But it is a skill that you have to acquire and, and you have to, you have to do it. And well, I've done this for almost four years. So I guess I, understand how to do it and i learned that i was a better interviewer because i i I learned how to communicate just with me just with four four walls and me and a mic Mm -hmm. and a computer and when i became an interviewer i i felt more comfortable behind the mic and i did not realize how more comfortable i thought i would be you know because i thought i was going to wreck interviews Mm. but and when I mean wreck, I don't mean that in the in the ebonics way of saying good. I mean in the real way, as in car. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I I I got the feel of it, and when I studied how to do an interview, I was like, oh well, it's similar to how I do my solo show. It's just in a different way because I have to I have to bounce energies with other people, which in some ways is easier. In some ways, it is sort of like a verbal double dutch. Yep, absolutely. And, and and to learn the verbal double dutch is cool. Uh, I've learned that <laughs> with the solo shows, I don't feel like doing jump rope. <laughs> 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 so I guess there you have it. Mm. When did uh, when did the solo or the the interview st- show start? So I revelations, I, correct? Yes, yes, yeah. revelations. Uh, it, wow, I think this is going to be the first time I'm actually going to tell this story in total, in full. Well, I'm, so, I'm honored to hear a story that no one's ever told, been or heard. So there you go. All this right. is the this is the mark of a great interview. <laughs> there you go. See, <laughs> that, see, Anthony, you're what a wonderful happened? interviewer. <laughs> you asked a hard, journalistically. Riveting questions. There sure. you go. The, the, mo- the most <laughs> hard-hitting, in-your-face interviewer ever right here. That's I'm right. Getting, I'm getting information out of you now that no one has heard. So That's right. That's I'm right. I'm just take this moment to pat myself on the back, sit back, and listen to you talk about something I didn't know you were going to talk about. That's right. Don Lemon and Sean Handy, eat your heart out. Yeah. <laughs> you got competition here. Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> so in about month number eight of Cold Sports... Yeah, month number eight. I received this assignment from a college class where we were supposed to interview somebody. And I never, this is the point where I never did interview. Now, I've been on other shows and I've been guests on shows Mm -hmm. by then, but I've never been the host asking the questions. I've always been the guest answering them. So I got a got a coach a wrestling coach on the show and i was trying to learn how to negotiate my way as a as an interviewer i did okay uh the the one fault that i would say that i had was i was not as prepared as i should have been Mm -hmm. and so from the second interview on and and i basically waited about another six months before i did the next interview I said, okay, this is how I'm going to attack and I'm going to prepare this way, this way, this way. And then uh, from the very next interview I did six months later, it took off and it was called conversations then. 
but it was mm-hmm. still a, it was still an offshoot of cold sports. The problem I had was I was all right. Say if I had you and Imran on the show, okay, and I didn't talk. I don't sport. know why you would want to do that, but okay, right. And I didn't talk. <laughs> and even though I know you know sports, and Imran knows a little sports too, I would talk no sports at all with you, or I would do one question of sports mm. just so I could say I have a tie-in to the show by asking sports question, right. So I would do these interviews and people would rave about them, but I got the same, the same uh, uh, feedback. What's that? Wow. Wow. Cole, this is, this is great. You're a wonderful interviewer, but this doesn't belong on this platform. This is a whole different show. Mm. And I was thinking, well, it's not really a different show. It's a different slice of a show, but it's still the same show. I mean, it's still Cole sports. It's still me. And it was and and those and that feedback was getting louder each month. March, mm-hmm. April, May. And this is 2017. March, April, May into June of 2017. It was getting louder and louder and louder. And then about Memorial Day of 2017, I said, "Okay, I think it is time." And I think it didn't really dawn on me until I interviewed my wife. And I interviewed my wife in early part of May, and. She actually said, you are a great interviewer, but that is another show altogether. <laughs> like, okay, you're not the first person to tell me this, but I didn't know I want to hear that. Mm-hmm. And for the, and, and the, and the last person I wanted to hear that from is you and not saying that she doesn't know what she's talking about. Communication, a communication degree <laughs> from college. Sure. She knows what she's talking about. So I'm like, ah, oh, great. But it, it was almost like the, I didn't want you to say that because I know if it comes from your mouth, it's probably correct. Exactly. Yeah. Because when it came out of her mouth, I knew she was correct. And I was like, right. I just didn't want to hear it. So I was like, Ugh. and I was angry with myself because I was like, man, I got, a, I think I got another show on my hands and I really don't want to do another show. I like cool sports. I like being the sports guy. I think it's kind of cool. I get mm-hmm. to be on shows. I can, I could talk about, I could talk about anything from the NFL, the NBA, to major league baseball, to some NHL stuff. Some boxing stuff, some wrestling stuff. I could talk about all this stuff and and then show that and I it's have easy and it's fun to talk about. Right. 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 You know? It's easy. It's fun to talk about. And then I can show my, uh, and I can show my range of talking about music. I can talk about music history and I can talk about history of other sorts and I can talk about politics and I can mention some movies and I can mention some pop culture stuff and I can mention uh, politics and and, and 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 current events. I can do that and show my range and be great. But man, it sucked when I had to come to the realization of I got to create a whole nother platform for this. Mm. So in June, I talked to a, a friend of mine who is uh, an exec now in uh, a radio station. Uh, and she she said, and we talked for about an hour or so. And so she said, yeah, you got to do another show because, yeah, you 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 have the gift of this is her saying this to me. You have the gift of pulling things out of people. I'm like, okay, fine. I'll, I'll do that. I don't, I have no problem, but I really don't want to do the same type of interview that I'm hearing on podcasts yeah. because it, it, and I think you get what I'm saying. It, it, it's, it's almost as if it's, uh, it's a celebration of the, of the host saying, Hey, look at me. I have a show and I can speak. Right. And I can ask a couple of questions, but I can go on in extemporaneously for 10 minutes and upstage the guest. Uh, yeah, that's, that, that's the only, that was one of the things that I, 
<laughs> when I started this show, which is, I don't consider it an interview show, but it, I mean, I am asking you questions. I, I've never wanted it to be the, me just overtaking the guest and saying right. all my ideas. Like I, I've always wanted to take a step back and let you know you in this instance just kind of tell your story, speak, and we can go have a back and forth conversation. But it's not. This isn't about me. That's why the show title is you. It, we, we, right. It's this is your show. Right. And so knowing that, I said, you know, I don't want to. I don't want to have that type of show. I want to have the show where it's like it's exactly what you just said. It's my platform, yes. However. It is the guest's show. It is, it, is, it is whatever they are about because the platform is about them. I'm shaping the show to tailor it around them. It's not tailored around me. Now, I can give my opinion and I can say something every now and then because it's warranted, but I can't just every time I ask a question, they answer it. I go on and just get on my soapbox for every answer they give me. Right. So... <sighs> So I say this to my friend and she said, well, yeah. And you, you, well, one, you're a great listener Two, you know, when to actually speak in, in an interview, as an interviewer, you know what to do, you know how to do it, but you need to give the proper platform for it. So then the last, I guess, 10 minutes of that call, it was okay. So come up with a name. So I had some names. And then after I hung up that, that phone call with her, I came up with more names for like six weeks. Poll so, interviews. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, well, actually, it's funny you say that. One of them was Cole Talks. But I was like, <laughs> no, I don't want to do that either. I mean, I could do that. but And I had the theme song for it and everything. But I was like, nah. nah. <laughs> and so, I mean, I had, you know, I, I, I think I bit off an Earth, Wind, Fire song, Be Ever Wonderful. Uh, uh Let's see. What was another one? Uh, great are you? Uh, it was it just it was still those it was those types of of names, mm-hmm. but none of them really clicked. None of them. And so, about mid July, no late July, I go to bed, go to sleep, not really trying to think of it at all, and I wake up. The first thing I hear, the title of the show is Revelations. Mm-hmm. Like what? <laughs> Why this? <laughs> <laughs> I never even I never thought I didn't have any show with the name R in it. <laughs> so it was like this was so random and and so out of place. I'm like what? Oh, okay, fine. That's what I'll name it. I just and had a revelation. The show is going to be revelations, revelations. <laughs> plural, right? <laughs> and when I really when I really thought about it, what are conversations? There are. It is a a. a a set of revelations, not necessarily just from one person, but from bo- from both parties. Right. And I was like, okay, this is perfect. And and it's a spiritual tie-in because yes, the last book of the Bible is Revelation, nah, no S. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, well, yeah, I could do a spiritual tie, and I do at the end. I do, I normally group a um a verse from the Bible at the end of the interview uh, to match what the interview was. But uh, it's still basically a general interview show where I get to now not have to purposely throw in a sports question. I can go into just what the person is and how the person moves and and I can shape the show totally around them. And I don't have to be mindful of anything other than the person I'm interviewing. Mm -hmm. 
And so, yes, they, they were right. And I was so glad that I got a chance to flex my muscles and take that platform to the next level. That's dope, man. I think, I mean, I've been doing this show for about four or five months now. And I think it's great. I think Mm -hmm. I enjoy it. And I don't do it because I think like people are going to love this show. I do it more for the fact that I just enjoy meeting and talking to new people and learning their stories and learning about, uh, things that they can present to me that I wouldn't know about. So, Mm. um, in, in that spirit, what are the, what kind of, how do you find the people that are on your show and what, you know, who do you necessarily look for or what's, what's kind of the thought process behind some of your guests? Uh, well, if they're breathing, they're fine. Okay. That's good. (laughs) (laughs) I, I normally look for guests that seem to have something, uh, not necessarily something to peddle or, or promote, mm-hmm. although that helps. That does help. I've noticed mm-hmm. that as well. Mm-hmm. But, but, I, I, but I look for a person who, wants, who, who has a desire and, and, a, and an inkling to share who they are, not necessarily just what they have. Mm-hmm. And, and it's invested in having a conversation, uh, mostly about themselves, because really – well, you know, the title, like you said about this show with me, the title of whatever episode they're on, their name is on it or their moniker is on it. So <laughs> it's going to be around them. And it's my job to get the get the best out of that person. So, yeah, so the listener of the show can gather. OK, I know more about this person. I really like him or her. Yeah, it's about that. But it's also like what you said, too. I get to learn and. I get to learn more about myself from these people. And I love that. That and I, and I grew to love conversations in that vein. I'm like, yeah, this is great. I like this. I like doing mm-hmm. this. I just don't like that it's a lot of work at times, but I do like the I do like the conversation. It's great. <laughs> you, you know what you need to do is you need to find you an Imran. You know why? Oh, because man. all I do is re- is record and then he does all the editing. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I may need to find that. You, you need to find that guy that's so, um, so giving of his time that he will post and edit a show that he's not even a part of. Mm-hmm. Yeah, G- great guy, and, and it's funny awesome we're talking guy. about this. Yeah, and uh, uh, well, d- depending on when this show is airing, mm-hmm. uh, yes, you will definitely hear either you will hear or you already have heard Emron on my show. So. Uh, and that interview was absolutely riveting. I loved all loved all the time I had with him. So yes, what did I, you learn about Imran without uh, what, giving away the show? the The biggest thing I learned about him, I learned that laughter and joy is not always a kid thing. It's childlike, oh, yeah, but it's a necessary tool. Like you know, like I said, I could be serious and. And and most of the interviews I do are, but from the moment that sh- the, the from the moment the the hardcore recording portion of the show started, I just was hit with that energy of, yeah, why don't you just sit back and just enjoy this? Just enjoy, just enjoy the fun, the frivolity of the personality that you're talking with, mm-hmm. and yeah. You'll have the moments where you can be serious with them too, because I mean, the guy is a learned person. But 
enjoy enjoy the laughter enjoy right. enjoy feeling fun enjoy the fun because that's important in life too that was the biggest lesson i learned in interviewing imran yeah i would say he is by far in terms of just enjoying life every day he is i mean you're around him and i if you can't feel that energy then you're dead inside cuz that guy that guy brings out the fun, the wackiness, the <laughs> just, I mean, just the man's voice alone. You're like, holy crap, look at this mm-hmm. guy talk. I just yeah. want to sit down and watch you talk for a little bit. Mm. Your voice yeah. is just crazy, like energetic. You're, you're like, there's, I've never seen him. I don't think, and I've known him for probably eight, nine years now, over nine years. Wow. I've, I don't know if I've ever seen the guy fucking sad. <laughs> mm. Yeah. You yeah. Know, and, I, that, man, that man, that man finds, the positive, the light, the happiness in anything. And that is a gift right there. It is. That is a gift. And 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 I and, and the funny thing was I was struggling to find the right tone for that show when I was preparing it. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, I, there's a few things I could ask that's going to be more in serious in tone. But just hearing how he's been on a couple of the shows, I'm like, mm, his energy doesn't strike being all the way serious. But is that a bad thing? And when I said no, it, it, it was it was on. And right. I, I actually have to say I didn't have a bad day when I did the interview. It was okay. Mm-hmm. But when I when I press when I press stop off the record and I say my goodbyes to Imran, from then on my day was better. Look at that, so, Imran. Look yeah. at what you've done for Cole. Yeah. <laughs> I can honestly say that, yeah. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. I, I the, this show so just so you know this show will be out this week as well. Okay, me and me and you. So we're recording this on Monday Labor Day. Um, I appreciate you actually being flexible because the last time we, we were supposed to record this last week, and I even teased that on Voice from the Underground. So mm-hmm. it might be you know five people that care about me that <laughs> listen to that show and are like, "What the hell? Why didn't that show come out with Cole Johnson?" For what it's worth, that day I was with a bunch of friends and family and I didn't admit it to you at the time. I just said I was with family. Mm-hmm. I got really drunk that day <laughs> and I was in no shape to then put on a show and be at all coherent talking to you. So I appreciate your flexibility on this. Well, there goes my joke. Cause that's exactly <laughs> what I was going to say. <laughs> uh, but I mean, I, I look, I understand. I mean, Things happen. Uh, yeah. I, my my goal. I was with family, and I was like, yeah. you're getting a little too 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 enjoying myself a little too much to then compose and put together any sort of coherent conversation. Well, have have some for me because I don't partake in the spirits. No, not so, at all. <laughs> no, I well, I, I won't say it at all. Mm-hmm. But I I, I I I have an occasional wine or two. But when I say occasional, maybe twice a year. Oh wow. Yeah, I I respect that resolve, because, man, I, I wish I could I wish I could uh, cut it down a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I, but look, I don't especially begr- on the wallet. Yeah, it, yeah, that's where it hurts the worst. But the yeah, worst. I, don't, I, I don't. Yeah, I don't begrudge you all who want to toss them back, just as long as you don't toss them back so much. Right. <laughs> where where it starts to negatively affect the rest of your life. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's the that's the thing about that stuff is that it hits the wallet and then. The next day too. Now that I'm I'm 31 now, so I, mm-hmm. I talk about this openly on on plenty of playing times on the show. It, you do not bounce back like you used to in college. That is for no. damn sure. 
These no. the, the hangovers last more than a day now, and they're yeah. not even like I'm feeling like I'm going to throw up every day, all all day, every day. But more or less, just the the the, the, the being lethargic, yeah. and lazy, mm-hmm. and just yeah. yeah, it's not a good good place to be. Yeah, I was going to say you probably feel as though you could take a nap. From the time you wake up to the time you go to sleep that night. Absolutely. All day. And yeah, you do. And then the thing is, is you wake up from that nap. First, you wake up dehydrated, so your lips are all like dry, mm-hmm. and you're like looking for some water. And then you also have a ton of anxiety, because you're probably going, damn, how much did I spend last night? How much did I drink? <laughs> what time is it? Oh, my gosh. It's 4 p.m. on a Sunday, and I'm just waking up. What the hell? And then Look. you're pro- and then you're and then you're like oh I'm gonna eat and then you get tired again and you're like oh fuck I'm gonna take another nap and then ruin my sleep schedule for the day the day. Look, I uh, this is th- this was the the time that I that I said to myself I will never do this again. So I was 19 in okay. the military. And in the military, wow, yeah. Thank mm-hmm. you for your service. Thank you, I appreciate it. Yeah, and it was one of those Saturday nights where. Hmm, wasn't really anything happening. Uh, sports wise, the French Open was, was was going on. So this is like about early June. Uh, so French Open, NBA Finals time, and <laughs> but but basically in other in other worlds in other words, it was hot, <laughs> really hot. Sure. So but there was nothing going on, and I was in North Carolina. So. Uh, <laughs> uh, so a couple of friends and I decided to just simply uh, play. Uh, play video games and and just drink down a 40 like okay no problem mm-hmm. so we all got a slitch malt liquor uh, turned <laughs> tur- turned it up <laughs> turned that bottle down uh and what year is this <laughs> oh gosh okay i'm about to date myself 1992 oh that's before turning up was even a thing <laughs> right <laughs> right so I I was I was feeling really good, and this yeah. was like like three four in the morning, feeling really good, to the point where I didn't go to sleep. I passed out. Mm-hmm. So I passed out about six. I woke up at about noon, and all I could see, how can I describe it? You know, you know those you know those um those those uh kaleidoscope kaleidoscope art. Uh, yeah. demonstrations that you normally see in uh for like uh when you want to get the psychedelic feel sure sure of the sixties that's what my vision was like when I woke up <laughs> really yes it, that was all I saw and then when I uh, drew back the curtains that sun was hating me <laughs> ooh and my eyesight was just uh and for the rest of the day I felt like I need to go to take a nap now. Mm. I need to go take a nap now. And this was, I was 19. Now, Monday morning, I had to go run two miles <laughs> at 630 in the morning. I was fine. <laughs> it was funny. I was fine Monday, but the day before, whoo, man. Yes, dehydrated, hungry, tired, wanting to go to sleep at all moments and was irritable. And I said to myself, and, but I did not throw up. But I said, mm, that was good. But I did say to myself, I will never do this again. And I never did. Wow. I will, I, one day, one day maybe I'll have that moment where I can go, I'm never going to do it. So the thing is, though, is like alcohol in moderation is actually not bad. Like it makes mm-hmm. you a looser version. Like you, you, you can be a little more loose around your friends. Mm-hmm. You're, you get over some of the anxieties if you're meeting new people or if you're around a bunch of people. It kind of, it does loosen you up. 
you know, but it's the fact that once you have a little, it's like, mm-hmm. oh, I like, this, I like this feeling. I like yeah. feeling loose like this. Let's have a little more. Mm-hmm. And then, but then you don't realize like, oh, you're having more, you're having more. That loose feeling is now real loose because you're now not in control anymore. Yeah. So mm-hmm. long story short, uh, one day I'll, I'll be, be I'll, I'll have a, hopefully I'll have a revelation like you and be like, you know what? I'm not going to do it no more. <laughs> Maybe I'll just, I'll just, I'll, I'll just drink a nice glass of water when I'm out. Mm. <laughs> do you, do you, you go. go out? Do you, are you social? Uh, well, I, I won't say I'm antisocial, but mm-hmm. I, I, I don't necessarily, I don't necessarily go out all the time, mm. but I, I pick and choose my times and spots as to when to go out. But, uh, but being that I am the age I am now, it's, it's, I don't really frequent bars as much as I used to. Sure. But uh, I, I do try to take in some events and, and do that, uh, you know, by myself at times and with my wife most times. Mm-hmm. And it's like I've learned, and it's funny, and you, you, you will get to this point too in life. I learned, I'm like, man, I think I have more fun at my own house than I do out in these, uh, out these places, <laughs> these public spaces. It's cool and all, but I actually yeah. like doing stuff in my house. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the thing is like, I'm not all that far off in terms of being similar. I, you know, I, I being an only child as well, like you mentioned, you're, I've learned to entertain myself. So mm-hmm. like, that's the thing with me and sort of getting into relationships with, you know, women or whatever, you know, is they, and I'm gen- not generalizing, but th- a lot of the issues I've run into is they don't understand the fact that I can literally be alone by myself and have a good time and actually really enjoy it sometimes. Sometimes they're like, wait, you're just at home and you didn't want to hang out? You just, you didn't have nothing to do. You just wanted to be by yourself. I'm like, yeah. Mm-hmm. I want to be by myself. Yeah. This, this is fun for me. Give me four hours of this. Give me a day of doing this and just let me get it out of my system. Yeah. And do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and a lot of people don't understand, especially if you're not, you no. didn't grow up as an only child. You don't, I don't think you really fully get that. No, and you know, no, and I've learned others don't, and I learned that from my own house, and mm. not necessarily. Well, sometimes my wife, but I think she gets me now because we've been been together long enough to where she understands me now. Mm-hmm. But my own parents and grandmother couldn't understand it because all of them had siblings. I mm. didn't, and so <laughs> they would ask me if I wanted to go somewhere, and I'm like, no, you all can go. I'm fine being by myself. And my grandmother one time said, oh, yeah, you're antisocial, and it's like, no, it's. I didn't say this to her because I just didn't feel like debating with her mm-hmm. but I, but you know when i thought about it i was like no i'm not antisocial. i just love my own company at times more than the company of others i just right do. right right and i don't see that to be a crime and and when i was divorced i had to do that for a defense mechanism to protect the other people so right. <laughs> it was necessary for me to have alone time so i can so so i can decompress and and Maybe and not ha- lash out at the wrong person. Right. Yeah. And not lash out at people because I did do that so that, you know, I, I would limit the lashing out and I could actually maintain some sort, to- some sort of decorum, some, some modicum of decorum. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it, uh, to me, it is, it is a, it's a necessary thing. I think it's a necessary joy, mm-hmm. uh, to spend time by yourself, to know who you are and to enjoy your own time. Mm hmm. You got to. Do you do you find that when you're editing these shows and doing these podcasts and, and all the work that comes after you know recording that you enjoy that as well? It, it took me a while to do that, but mm-hmm. I do enjoy it. 
do you? I, yeah, I, uh, I I enjoy it from the from the standpoint of, and and this is funny. This comes from a person who I could not stand my voice. I hated how it sounded. Oh, I hated my voice. Hated Your voice it, is hated, fine, hated man. It. I don't know yeah. why you would ever hate it. The funny thing is, that's the that's what I would hear from other people. Hey, you got a great voice. Yeah. I don't know why you don't do voiceovers. This this thing. God, I hate it. It sucks. Mm-hmm. I could not stand the hearing my own voice. It took doing a podcast and hearing my voice over and over and over again for me to actually say, I actually do like my voice and not have it come off as an arrogant thing, but come off as a, okay, I can critique when I sound good and when I sound horrible. Mm-hmm. And it's to the point where my wife says, yeah, you, you, you love your voice too much. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I'll let you have that, but I don't. <laughs> You so, got a good yeah. radio voice, man. I, well, thank I, you. I, I think, uh, yeah, you, you're, you know, there's, it, it is true. Like there, there are people where I hear them on podcasts and I'm not going to call out any names, but I just go, yeah, your voice is just not pleasing to the ear at all. Right. It's, and it's, and it's nothing you could ever do about it. It sucks. Right. Yeah. <laughs> We're all born in, in different ways. And unfortunately your voice is not, not good for the ears. Mm. Yeah. I won't call out names either, but yes, I agree. <laughs> I agree. There's just some who don't have it. And there's others. It's like, oh, I can listen to you all day. Look, look, I'll give you the phone book. Just read the phone book. I'll be happy. <laughs> Man or woman. And I mean, I've, I've come across a few voices like that. But yeah, I, and, and I've always tried to work at I want my voice to be as pleasing to others. And hopefully it is. And and hopefully people can hear that I have worked at making it even more pleasing than I did when I just said, okay, let's slide the mic to my mouth, press record, just say whatever I want to say, however I want to say it until I stop recording. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. It is a, it is a blessing to have the voice that's naturally given to you, but you got to work at it too. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, we did, you know, start by introing yourself and, and talking about some of the podcasts and I'd be remiss if I had a guy on, Named Cole Johnson, who does Cole Sports, or how do you say that again? <clears throat> Cole Sports, and you're with me, who's one half of the Jock and Nerd podcast. Me being the Jock, how do we not talk about a little bit of sports, right? Yeah, that would be a crime. <laughs> that would be a that'd be that'd be a huge miss on on both our parts, huh? Just a little bit, just a little bit. <laughs> um. Right now we're uh, leading up to the NFL season. Um, mm-hmm. My Chicago Bears open up on Thursday night. Okay, I'm talking to a Bears fan. You're okay. talking to a Bears fan. What What are you? Well, since I grew up in Houston, I am all Houston. Used to be a Houston Oilers fan. Now I live in Nashville, and of course the Oilers now are the Tennessee Titans. Right. I still can't root for them to this moment. So Is it because yes. they moved. Yes, it's because they moved, and not necessarily they moved. It's more how they moved, mm-hmm. and 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 how how that all was done before they left Houston. Mm-hmm. So, so I'm, I'm all things Houston. Although I don't live in Houston anymore, but I'm all things Houston. Astros, Texans. Rockets, Texans. Got it. And will always be that way because I grew. I I went to the first ever Texans game, so I you know I gotta be I gotta be with that team. Was that? Uh- their first ever, the regular season game. Yeah, Did first they play, ever uh, was it the Cowboys. Yeah, they played the Cowboys. Yeah, 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 it was it was it was the last year of Emmitt Smith's career there. And they won, I think. Yes, the yeah, yeah. The Texas won. Huge upset. Yeah, they they won and they sealed the deal with a safety. And yes, I, I don't think I've ever heard. And I went to Rockets playoff games. 
I don't think I've ever heard an, an arena or a stadium that loud as to when that safety was recorded two minutes to go in that game. Ooh, it was, it was wonderful. I mean, it was a huge miss to not have a team in Texas for that long. For I mean, not Texas, but yeah. Houston. Mm-hmm. Texas being the, you know, high school state, you know, the state's, the, the football powerhouse that it is that they build 30,000 seat stadiums for high school football. Oh, I mean, it's, it's ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, there, there, there was a stadium. How long ago? 2017, I think. $70 million for that stadium. I'm thinking, this is for high school. Why? <laughs> <laughs> Why? Yeah. I was like, this is for high school. Like, $70 million. Wow. Well, yeah. 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 Texas is a hotbed for football. No question about it. So speaking of football, any uh, who are your Super Bowl favorites leading up to this year? Right now, my favorites from the NFC is the Rams. The AFC is the Chiefs. Okay. Uh, the only team that the only teams that can stop either team is their themselves, in my opinion. Okay. And what I mean by themselves, like Rams, if Gurley's knee is not really acting right, and if he's more injured than he lets on, uh, Chiefs, if things like uh, if Tariq Hill gets in in <laughs> more legal trouble off the field, mm-hmm. like or, or or Travis Kelsey goes down with an injury, it would have to be something like that. Think, for me think, to think that they wouldn't go. The thing about NFL, in my opinion, is it's just so hard. Like, yes, I would agree; those are two teams that um, are, are at least preseason favorites. But the way NFL goes with injuries and all that, like you, you often see teams that are supposed to be good one year stink, and teams that you thought would not be at all be close to contending for anything rise up and make the playoffs or win the division. The NFL is so finicky like that. Yeah, just because just of injuries alone. Well, you know. well, you can look at that example both ways with one team, the the Jaguars. I mean, yeah. <laughs> none of us expected them in 2017 to be the AFC South champs and go all the way to the AFC Championship game yep. and push the Patriots to having them score two touchdowns in the fourth quarter to pull out the game. No one predicted that, and no one predicted them to, to stick up the joint and go, I think, 5-11 and 11 the next year either. Right, right, right. So, so yeah, it is hard to predict. Yeah, football is crazy like that. I mean, are you? What would you say is your biggest um, sport that you enjoy the most? Uh, well, since I do come from Texas, it is football. football. Although, yeah, how stereotypical. Yeah, <laughs> uh, <laughs> although uh, baseball, it, baseball is my first love. Uh, I, I'm, I'm not as huge on baseball as I used to be, but mm-hmm. I still love the sport because it just has a. It has a sentimental pull on me. I have taught more about basketball, at least at least the NBA, the last two or three years mm. than I have the other sports, simply because for some odd reason, people seem to want to talk more about that sport. And it's like, it's cool, and I like the NBA. It's great. Basketball is wonderful. I just live for the last four months of this year and the first two months of the next. It's football just something season. it's just something about football season. I just don't know what it is. It's just something about that season that just it just makes me feel good about life. <laughs> <laughs> I, the thing about football is it's just so digestible. I mean it's once a week for you know the the time frame that you just said, sixteen weeks, eighteen weeks, whatever the time frame uh, if you're in the playoffs. Um it's it's so it's easy to follow, everyone likes it. Um, it's it's you know it's replaced baseball as America's pastime in my opinion long ago. 
Oh yeah, um, at least twenty five years ago. It at least, it. right? I mean, the other sports: baseball, basketball, hockey. Just too many games in comparison. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and I think what has doomed baseball, whereas life was a little simpler when it was a national pastime, now it's a little more microwavish. Mm. And you know, I don't think people. I don't think people have the attention span. And the patience to watch. I would agree with that. Now, as they did, heck, I would say 20. I would say at least 20, definitely 30, definitely 40, definitely 50 years ago. It's more like I want to see action now. I need to see that, that, that riveting action now. And that's why I believe football and basketball are more riveting. And even to an extent, hockey. uh, In, in spurts and in spades, Mm -hmm. I could see it's, it's a, I could see why they, or have pushed ahead of baseball because you know the the the, the fan today is a bit different. I mean, you're, that's actually a really good point. I didn't think about that. With the rise of cell phones and being on social media, baseball does everything wrong in that sense because yes, there's so many lulls in a game that right. afford you the time to go look at your phone and be like, oh look, look at this video someone posted. Hey, you want to see this video? Oh, I'm going to text now. Whereas football, basketball. Hockey, you know, it's literally nonstop action. Like you have mm-hmm. to pay attention. Yeah, yeah, and 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 it's great. I, I like I said, I love watching all four sports, but I can critique each sport for different reasons. Mm-hmm. And the biggest critique with baseball is that it they still access. And this is not really a, it's not really an insult in terms of societal things. It's just how the sport is. They play the game as if as if it is still 1930. Yeah, and it has not changed much since. Yeah, they're trying to they're they're trying to do some stuff. I know you know replay was a a relatively recent thing, and I think they're right. I don't remember if they did pass any rules about they might have about uh, time between pitches and how many times people can visit the mound. The the times people can visit the mound they they have instituted this year. This year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I mean, they, they have, yeah, they have tossed about, uh, well, <laughs> a pitch clock, like a shot clock in I've basketball. I've heard that too. They've, they've, they've tossed about a pitch clock in baseball. That'd be tough. I mean, I, I don't know if I'd necessarily be against it or for it. I just know that I don't think pitchers would, would ever go for that. Pitchers would hate that. Yeah. Pitchers would, pitchers would rail against that. And, and considering that they are the most powerful union in all of sports. Oh, yeah. I think they would have the power to block it. Yeah, baseball is. I think you're you're absolutely right. Baseball's union is pretty. I mean, they they mm-hmm. get they make the most money out of anybody. Yeah, I, I those tell, contracts are ridiculous. I, I tell people, I was like, you know, <laughs> people ask me, okay, if you were if if you were an athlete and you wanted to make the most money, what what sport would you play? I it, I would quickly say baseball. I'm like, man, the money's longest there. But they would say, well, you have to go through the minor leagues. Well, fine, I'll go through the minor leagues, but. <laughs> Shoot, if I'm one of those players that's like a Bryce Harper or Mike Trout, I can sign a contract that can make, get me paid $35 million a year. Right. For 10 years. I mean, right. yes. Yeah, baseball is where it's at. I know. We, I remember leading up to this offseason, because it was like Harper and Machado. I think he, those were the two of the bigger names you know, that were out. I remember there being a lot of talk of like, you know, baseball's finally going to smarten up and like not give out these ten-year deals. You know, they were they were going to take a stand and, right. and start doing these shorter contracts because it doesn't. For, you know, if if you are a 
GM in baseball. I don't know why you would commit more than four to five years to anybody. Like, you know, mm-hmm. the game is just it's too it's too crazy. You can't you can't you can't expect ten years out of someone. You know, consistent performance for ten years. But mm-hmm. again, the Machado and Harper both got, I believe, ten year deals. Right, that were over three hundred million. Both of them got ten year deals. Yeah, uh, and both both over um, three hundred million, and then. Trout stumps. Uh, Trout uh, eclipses them all. He gets a ten year extension, right? <laughs> Over four hundred million. Right. So I'm like, <laughs> there you go. Uh, look, this is all you need to know, in in my opinion, as to the health, the financial health of baseball. They can crowd broke all they want, but you got the Kansas City Royals owner wanting to sell the team for one point one billion dollars because that is what Forbes has valued the team to be worth. One point one billion. Yeah. Wow. And so he bought the team almost 20 years ago for 96 million. So this dude could profit 1 billion dollars if he sells the team. <laughs> That's crazy that the the you would never have thought like the the Royals would be a billion dollar team, right. you know? Right. Yeah. This small market team you would think and, and they and they were one of the ones that would cry broke back then. Right. It's like, man, we we got to pinch pennies with, with with the with the roster that we have. We don't have the money. Now they do. And <laughs> And and the reason why I, I could see board these 10 year, 300, 350, 400 million dollar contracts that we're going to see more of is because these teams are making money that we don't know about. Mm. I mean, the the I would just listen to do you listen to 30 for 30 podcasts? I do. I need to listen to more of them, but I do. They they just put one out with Donald Sterling. Did you have you listen to that one? I haven't, but I am because those are the types of those are the types of entertainment period podcasts, uh, any any type of audio, any type of video, any type of TV. That that's the stuff I like. Mm, yeah, well, I mean, it's uh, I would highly recommend it. it's great, especially okay. you being a sports fan. Mm-hmm. Um, that that whole thing was. I remember living that in twenty four, I believe twenty fourteen, and just being like, "This is a crazy yeah. moment." But anyways, that the sale of the Clippers, so. Prior to the Clippers mm-hmm. being sold, I think the Bucks were the team that was bought for like four hundred million, something around there. Right. Don't quote me on that, but some something like that. Mm-hmm. And then th- this was the moment where you everyone was like, "Oh my gosh, sports franchises are just insanely like lucrative." Because the Clippers sold for two billion dollars, yes, sir. <laughs> and it's like, and everyone's like, "What? Like this is a yes, they're in L.A., but this is a franchise that's just been the armpit of basketball forever." And they just mm-hmm. went so and you know mm-hmm. someone could the uh, Shelley Sterling was able to grab two billion dollars for it. It's it's ridiculous. Yeah, and 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 he bought the team. Donald bought yep. the team for twelve million. Yeah, <laughs> that's and how much he profited. Just, I'm like, oh my gosh, that's ridiculous. And just was a fat, slubby, disgusting human the entire run through that. <sighs> yeah, and the, and, the, and the fact that he was so jealous of so many different people. Oh my gosh, it, it was ridiculous. The, the I mean, the interview. Do you do you remember that interview he did with CNN after with uh? Yeah. I, with, I, was, I what's the I don't guy's rem- name? Oh gosh, I don't rem- I don't I don't remember word for word, but I do remember the interview. Yeah, whoever the guy's name, whatever the CNN interview guy. I, I should really know his fucking name, but well, I'm sorry. I would and, not be surprised if it was Don Lemon, but I don't think it was no, him. it wasn't Don Lemon. It was the it's. White guy, gray hair, Anderson Cooper. Oh, that was gonna say yeah, because I was gonna say 
Wolf Blitzer? No, no, not, not Wolf. But I just yeah. remember that interview, mm-hmm. and the reason I remember that interview again, obviously, because of the, me listening to the 30, 30, 30 for thirty podcast. But he, he had his chance there to like apologize, and then for whatever reason, mm. he just was so angry with fucking Magic Johnson. Magic Johnson, yeah, and just made himself look so like even worse. Made him made it to the point where no, he he couldn't come back from that. He, he was criticizing the man for having HIV and just being a bad um, role model to kids. And it's like, what is going on? Why did this take a turn like this? Yeah. You really are like a disgusting it. human. Yeah. Yeah. And it was horrible to see that. Yeah. But the, but the juxtaposition of that is I think the, the NBA players really came into their own, came into yep. their own in terms of the power that they wield. That was the start. Yeah. That, to me, that event was the start of how the NBA players have gotten what they've gotten over the last five years. Because if I'm not mistaken, I think Chris Paul, who now is the president of the NBA Players Association, mm-hmm. and LeBron James, who basically just his name alone lends credence to power mm-hmm. in, in sports, not just basketball. Uh, both of them were like, okay, we both have teams in the playoffs, but we're going to say adios to the playoffs if you don't get that guy off the paint. Right, and I'm like, wow, now that's powerful. If you could tell, then uh, Adam Silver, the the commissioner of the NBA, uh, we're not we're not going to play in the playoffs in April and May, and neither one of them, neither one of them, didn't have to do this. Of course, Paul then was playing for the Clippers, but you know, but but James wasn't. Mm-hmm. But the fact that you had those two power brokers as players say that, and then Adam Silver say, yeah. We're going to do this and then move to do it. I was like, okay, I, yeah, the, these NBA players, and we haven't seen it yet. Then I said that we haven't seen it yet, but whoo, man, they're going to be wielding some power. And then, of course, two years later, we saw these contracts, five years, over $100 million contracts that were coming right and left oh, to, I mean, where it was, to, they, to where the NFL players were saying, wait a minute, we want that type of money. We can't get it. Right. <laughs> I mean, it's crazy now. I mean, I'll I list this example, then I'll ask a question. It's gotten to the point now where the players are so powerful that literally this offseason, Kawhi Leonard was like, hey, yeah, I'm pretty popular now. I'm pretty powerful. If you want me to come to the Clippers, you got to figure out how to get Paul George, who, oh, by the way, he just signed an extension. Mm-hmm. You got to get him over here or I'm not coming. And him... Kawhi Leonard saying that to the Clippers, and then Paul George being like, "You know what?" To OKC, I want to play in LA now. Figure it out. Get me out of here. Figure it out. I mean, that's unfathomable to me that in in this era that players are that powerful, where they can be in the midst of long term deals and long term being three four year deals, and be like, "You know what? I don't want to play anymore. I'm going to go play over there." And you got to make it happen. So my my question to you would be: Do you think the the pendulum has swung too far in the player's way? Or are you like, this is cool. This is good. I think for the NBA, it's more along the lines of this is cool. Yeah. However, I think if we see more of this, because if I'm not mistaken, I'm thinking their current CBA ends in 2024. Oh, and the owners are already stewing about all this stuff. Yeah. I'm thinking by then, the owners would probably say, okay, yeah, enough's enough. Yeah, we need to have more more of the pie. But at the moment, I think things are good, considering that 
people are talking about the league every month. Yeah. Actually, for the slight, and I do mean slight, exception of August, that we're talking about, we're talking about the NBA almost all year round. Yeah, it's become a year round discussion. Yeah. Now. Yeah. So I think the NBA owners at the moment are like, okay, we're, we're making money because the league was making, I think the league made $9 billion this year. Jeez. So yeah. Yeah, we're making money. I think we're fine. The players are fine. So everything is good. So it's like, okay, we're okay. But I think, I think the owners are going to get a little more. I think they're going to get a little greedier and I think they're going to want more of that slice, more of that revenue by the time their current CBA ends. And, and I, I can't see them having this rosy kumbaya feel as we do right now, because I really do think the owners are starting to say, wait a minute. I don't want to sign these guys to to an extension like a Paul George only for one year. Say I'm out right. and have the power to leave. We see more of those. We see more of those things happen. Yeah, you're gonna have the owners be all up in arms. I, I, I mean, I think it's already happening with not only with Paul George, but I mean Anthony Davis basically held the, the Pelicans hostage this year. Um, yeah, Jimmy Butler in Minnesota held them hostage for a bit. I mean. Mm-hmm. You know, they're, they, these players are so powerful that they're, um, and I'm not saying this is a good or bad thing. I'm just saying, stating facts. Mm-hmm. They're so powerful now that they literally control the direction of franchises. One guy, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. um, and, and it'll be interesting to see, you know, w- with Milwaukee, what happens with Giannis, because that's going to be a big um, deal whenever that comes up. That's the next one. That's, that's the next gonna, one. That's the next one. And, and the thing is, is, that has huge ramifications as well because this is again if he leaves this is another in like in similar to a Anthony Davis or a Paul George where these big stars are in smaller markets mm-hmm. and they're forcing them forcing themselves out of these smaller markets mm-hmm. and you know not every owner is owning a team in New York or LA so right they're going to yeah. get upset <laughs> yeah and and to me they should they should get upset the, here's the thing so the owners were thinking, okay, well, we don't want to have what happened in 2010 uh, with the with with uh, uh, Dwayne uh, Dwayne Wade, LeBron, and LeBron Chris and, and Chris Bosh getting getting their heads together and say, yeah, we're going to create this super team down in Miami. No, uh, so what they wanted to do was, okay, well, we're going to make it more worth their while to stay where these players right. are, right? Super and maxes so, and yeah, all that. So yeah. yeah, so you can get a max. But if they stay with the team that they, they stay the team they had, they're gonna get the supermax, and they're gonna have millions more dollars. Right, and if you get they that get extra the supermax, you, and you get would, the extra year. Yep, yep. And so you know, you have all of this, and here's the indictment against the supermax. You got all these players saying, mm, "No, I don't want the supermax," and they just want to play where they're gonna play. The problem with that is you have these players who make who can make that money up with their endorsement deals. Yep. So it's like, okay, yeah, you all can pay me that money, but I really don't want that. I, I, I want to have the freedom to go where I want to go. And, and on top of it, add Carmelo Anthony, who did take the money to stay, and he got his Supermax with the Knicks. Mm-hmm. And now people are, are castigating him and saying, well, yeah, you all bought the money. And here he is at the tail end of his career. He still has no 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 NBA championship right. and people saying, well, you're selfish because you went off, you went for the money. And I'm like, no, it's not. He was selfish. It was, well, heck he was, 
He wanted to secure the bag, and I right. don't have no problem with him doing that. <laughs> None. Yeah. If if a team was willing to pay, I think him was one hundred twenty five million. So if a team was willing to slide one hundred twenty five million in his face, more power to him. Slide it to his face. Let him sign. But it's increasingly rare now that you see these guys, the big stars, taking that supermax. Um, yeah, you're 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 seeing, a, and it's interesting to me that you, they're following kind of the LeBron model, where it's the mm-hmm. one year, maybe yep. two years with a player option. Um, mm-hmm. More and more players are just gambling on themselves and yeah and taking that flexibility over being locked into any one place mm-hmm. um yeah when when lebron started the two-year deal with the second year option i i think i, I think the league as a whole w- w- wanted to wait and see how he was going to move and, mm-hmm. then, and then when they saw that he made his move to the lakers I think other other superstar players saw that and say, okay, I can hold the I can hold the current team's feet to the fire to create a championship team by giving them the thought of, well, I'm not going to always be here, right? And if they don't, I can bounce. Or in the case of Kevin Durant, who had the team, he had the squad, and he was fine, was like. Mm. You know, I got the rings. It's fine. I think now I want to hear people say I want to to win the ring where I am the where I am the mm-hmm. guy because the rings that I got in in the Bay Area, yeah, it was it basically was Steph Steph Curry's team. Although I although people said that I was the the more talented player, that's Steph's team. Right. They're gonna say that I I I glommed on to a team that already was talented enough, and yes. The year before I joined the team, they won 73 games and got to a game seven in that year's uh, NBA finals. So they're going to say that, well, yeah, I got two rings, but that, but those are fraudulent rings. Well, I wanted to go to a place where they, I will have no unequivocal doubt that this ring is mine. And you're having these players think that way. It's like, okay, where can I, where can I best make my name? And they, and they do things like what LeBron and KD are doing. And we're going to see more, more of these superstars who take these two-year deals with a second-year option just to test it out. Kawhi's deal, another prime example. On his face is four years, but he has an option to get out of it after two. Yep. Same thing with Paul George. And the same thing with Paul George. So, <laughs> Or he aligned so, it with Paul George so that they yeah, both can leave. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So... You're seeing how, like you said earlier, you're seeing how the players are taking the power into their own hands and they're, and they're forcing, forcing the rest of the NBA to do either build around them or find, or, or they'll find the place where they will build around them. Mm-hmm. And I think the, the way you could see how it is penetrating, how it, it really it resonates, you look over to the NFL where you have to do holdouts in order to make the leverage happen. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, the NFL—that's just a whole different ball. You got to get your money up front, guaranteed right away. And you got to when there's a window where you're coming up on, you know, a contract year, and you know you're good. It's almost absolutely guaranteed you're going to hold out unless you're a quarterback, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, yeah. The quarterbacks get taken yeah. care of, but everyone else is like, as you as you put it earlier, let me secure the bag right now. Because mm-hmm. I don't know how long I have in this game. Right. 
Yeah, that and that's the name of the game, guaranteed money. Right. And with the NFL, it is guaranteed money because most of the most of the stuff they sign is not guaranteed. And 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 that's what you're seeing. You saw Le'Veon Bell strike out mm-hmm. and try to do try to do that with the Steelers. Uh, they they wanted to offer him more years than he wanted, and they wanted to guarantee him less money than he wanted. Mm-hmm. And he want and, and he actually wanted more money, and they didn't offer him that money either. So he was over three, held out, thought he thought the Steelers was going to buckle. They was like, nah, we'll call you a bluff and have you go. And out he went. Didn't find a deal that he was wanted. He had to settle for the Jets deal. Which was less than right. which was less of what the Steelers offered him. I'm like, oh wow, and it was less of what the franchise tag was for him. I'm like, oh wow, that's, yeah, that's I mean, sad. That's the interesting dichotomy of the NFL versus the NBA. Is the NFL, the owners are kind of still have. I mean, they have the power for sure. Yeah, you know, there's they they were literally were like, you know what? Out of principle alone, you're holding out. We're the Steelers. We don't bend for anybody. Take a mm-hmm. seat, buddy. You're yeah. we're, we'll be fine. Yeah, we'll be fine without you. Yeah. Yeah, and we'll, and we'll we'll hitch our wagon to the rookie uh, James Conner over here while you you take a vacation. Right, fine, no problem. Yeah, and and that and that's how these owners think. Yeah, and and <laughs> another example, Ezekiel Elliott. So he sees what Le'Veon Bell did, and he's like, okay, I'll test this. But the difference between Bell and and Elliott was that Bell was getting franchise tagged because he he went past his rookie deal. The Steelers didn't want to pay the money that, that Bell wanted, so they franchise tagged him two years. Mm-hmm. Well, Zeke is not there yet. I mean, he's still in his rookie deal, and right. yes, he outperformed it. But if you're the Cowboys, you got to look at him and say, uh, "Dude, we almost have to regard you as if you were injury prone, like Carson Wentz, because every year we are crossing our fingers and hoping you don't get into trouble off the field." Because you might miss games. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, 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 and, and, and the owners have the power to say, no, you got to play this contract out. They, I mean, they definitely do it. The thing, too, is I can't actually even all that much blame the owners for a lot of this stuff in the NFL, especially when it comes to running backs, because I feel like running backs are a dime a dozen in the NFL. Like, just like you mentioned, Le'Veon Bell, you know, everyone would be like, oh, you got to have Le'Veon Bell. Mm-hmm. And Connor. All out of mm-hmm. nowhere, just a rookie. Okay, well, we'll yeah. just we'll hand the ball to that guy now. And mm-hmm. he can probably do 90% of the things you can do, so we'll mm-hmm. just give it to him. Yeah. Like, right, like I, I did, my point being, I don't know if you ever are in a position in the NFL where you are like, you know what, I have to pay this running back everything he wants. The, the I think, and, and also I think what has hurt that too, is they the Rams did this with Todd Gurley. They were like, okay, yeah, you're good. You're real good. And he is real good. He yeah. is he is all that. No question about that. So he so he got his big time guarantee. He has his contract. The first year in his new deal. Oh no, no, sorry. Yeah. The first year of that deal he signs, he has knee trouble. Right. That's a thing too. And so yeah, and so now the Rams are thinking, wow, okay, have we slid money to a person? Because he they, they have they, he's guaranteed forty five million. So if we did we slide did we slide too much money to this person who's not going to contribute to our team now? And now they have to think, okay, if uh, or can we get another back to help him out, mm-hmm. uh, like they did in the in the stretch run and getting C.J. Anderson? You know, do we have to continue to do this because, well, I don't think we can we can give him the load that he was carrying the first few years but, because but, we saw what happened last year, right? But the thing is, too, is you're you're like now you're second guessing how the load he can get, right? Yet, 
he's also the highest paid running back right now. Right, he's highest paid running so back. Like, in the he's league. like, yep. why do we need two running backs? We, right. we made you the best. We made you, mm-hmm. you're you're paid like you're the best. Right. Why would you need a break? Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. So yeah, you have you have yeah you have these owners, and the running back position is the best example of all of this. Oh, absolutely. So yes, you have you have that dichotomy of okay, yeah, they're talented and they're and and they're producing and they're getting twenty five to thirty touches a game, and they you know, and 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 not just and not just a Todd Gurley and not just Ezekiel Elliott, and not just a Le'Veon Bell, but a David Johnson and uh, Alvin Kamara. You know, these guys, these, these guys move the needle as far as how their team goes because they touch the ball more than any other player, save the quarterback in the center. Mm -hmm. So, uh, (laughs) so you have this production and they're putting forth the first two, three, four years. And then when it's time for them to get their big time contract, you're saying, well, no, your shelf life is about four or five years. We think you're going to be on your downturn now, now that you're 25, 26 Mm -hmm. and we've used you up. Because you've gotten three hundred to four hundred touches a year, right? It's like wow. I mean, it's it's, and most of that money's not guaranteed. So it's like, yeah. it's it's like the the owners have the owners have the players. It's like they they're staring down the barrel, and and the owners have the finger on the trigger, saying, "Do something, right? We're gonna we can ruin you even more than you already are ruined." It's absolutely insane, especially like with football too. Like this is if there was ever a sport where you were like, man, those guys deserve to get them all their money. It's football. No, no, a lot yes. of their stuff is you know they're they're putting themselves through bodily harm, um, making everyone all this money. Yet mm-hmm. they they their shelf life is real short unless you're a quarterback, and a and lot of your money's that, not guaranteed. And yeah, and even that isn't guaranteed as we saw with Andrew Luck last month. Oh man, that was crazy. Yeah. So, and and I blame Jim Irsay for for being asleep at the wheel and not giving that man an offensive line until he was injured. Right. Like, come on, man. You already knew you needed the offensive line to protect that interest of yours. The best player on your team since 2012. You only the only things you draft are skill position players. You got to give that man help on the line. And right. and and what what <laughs> what is amazing to me about how all of this happens is that you have these teams this past year 2018 each team this is not what the nfl made this is what each team profited the nfl the shields front office gave all 32 teams 250 million dollars wow so you mean to tell me that these you mean to tell me that these teams aren't making money? They're making money hand over fist. They, they right. could go to sleep right. and make money. And these players who, who, and, and, and that, and then that is the owner's cut. Right. <laughs> the player's cut is 7 billion. The owner's cut is eight. So you mean to tell me that these players who really are the marketers of the sport, you don't, we don't go see we don't go see the pages for Robert Kraft. We don't, <laughs> we don't go see the Broncos for the late Pat Bowling. We don't go see the we don't go see the Texas for the late uh, Bob McNair. We don't right. we don't go see the we don't go see the Rams for Stan Kroenke. We don't see it for the owners. We see him for the players on the field. Right. So it, it so if the players on the field is only going to get forty seven percent of the pie, mm-hmm. 
and and they and and the, and the league can make fifteen million a year, fifteen billion a year. I'm sorry, mm-hmm. and they make the greatest sacrifice physically for any sport, maybe for the exception of some hockey. Yeah, I would say hockey. Some hockey. hockey can be a real, real rough, but I would say yeah. outside of combat sports, especially amongst the the more popular American sports, yeah, football. I mean, they're they're mm-hmm. just killing each other. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. Um, I mean, a boxing match. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the thing, combat sports is its own little thing. That's yeah. two people knowingly entering into something where the the intent is to harm the other. Right, but in but in football, you basically, especially professional, you basically going you going into sixty five, seventy car wrecks a game. Yeah, yeah, I remember seeing that, hearing that that every 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 collision is like a mini, like a thirty five to forty mile per hour car crash. Yeah, and they go through that sixty five times. So right. at least right. at least sixty five times. So. When you have these instances that are like this, and then you have someone like an Andrew Luck who is only 29, he, he will be celebrating his 30th birthday he, next week. He is legitimately in his prime if he were yes, healthy. He is, yes, he is in his prime, and he has to call it quits because this is the fourth, fourth consecutive year he's had to deal with some sort of injury he's overcoming. Mm-hmm. It, it's, it's utterly ridiculous to to see how these owners are not taking care of the players and then how the fans look at toward these players as if as if they're Teflon as if nothing can phase them like they're I Superman. Mean, Andrew Luck got booed. That, that was crazy to me. I'm like, <laughs> how are you going to boo this man? This is the best player you all have had since 2012. How are you going to boo this guy? Right. It's not like yeah, it's not like he wanted to get his body was given up on him. Right. Yeah, yeah, it's not that he didn't want to play. It's that his body was like, mm, nah, can't do it. I totally get it. <laughs> yeah, the Andrew Luck thing. I mean, that's that was so out of left field. I was like, well, this is a crazy sports story. This guy is legitimately retiring at 29 years old in his prime in the middle of a game. <laughs> like, what, yeah. what's happening? Mm-hmm. Yeah. What is this? Yeah, that's something I've really It was, I mean, I, it was, to me, it was, it was as shocking as when Barry Sanders quit in his prime. That shocked me too. Yeah, because yeah. I was thinking, okay, cool, we're gonna get a new, pro, new prolific rushing champ, mm-hmm. the guy who's gonna gain the most yards in, in NFL history. He's gonna be number twenty for the Lions. I'm gearing for it. And then the year he's gonna break that record, he says, "Nah, I'm gone." I'm like, Good. "No." <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I remember I, being a Bears fan. I was a kid when watching Barry Sanders play, but I remember being because he did this multiple times. The Bears were just like. Dude, you this guy has you can't corral this guy. No. This guy makes chicken, you know, chicken salad out of chicken shit every fucking time. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, oh gosh. There was a couple of runs I've seen where I looking at him and I'm thinking, I'm I, I'm I'm actually legitimately asking the question, am I watching a football game or am I watching ballet? Yeah. Cuz I'm like he's so soft on his feet. I'm like, how in the world? Oh, man, the way he stops and starts I mean that guy was unbelievable. I mean the 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 closest I've seen to Barry Sanders since it was was AP in his prime. Yeah, but AP, he, he, AP he ran had a little the, more powerful. But yeah, I was gonna say AP had that power though. He could go. Mm-hmm. He could be. He could put, turn on the Jets, but he also had that power to run you over. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a Barry yeah. was more like this guy is fast as hell and mm-hmm. moves. I mean he could he could juke you out in a phone booth. Yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah, he could juke you. Yeah, he had a little bit of power to him, but he didn't have to show it. No, it was like you know, look, I know I'm five nine, I know I'm two hundred pounds, 
I, I you know, my, my gift is just I'll run you right. and to, I'll juke you and I could do that. <laughs> and he did. Yeah. I mean, that, that was unbelievable. That, that, so yeah, that, that's what Andrew Luck's retirement reminded me of. I was like, this was yeah. kind of similar. Barry. I mean, it's happened to the Lions twice. Calvin Johnson too. Calvin retired. Johnson too. Mm-hmm. At a at a relatively young age, while he was still performing at a high level, mm-hmm. I mean it's crazy. Yeah. Um, how are you on time? I know we we had said around an hour oh. or so. Um, I could do another ten minutes. Another ten minutes, perfect. Because yeah. this is a good conversation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm loving it. <laughs> um, so we did football, basketball. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have any favorites for the? Uh, baseball we're in the midst of the basically the pennant run now september well i mean i'm loving i'm loving the position where the astros is now oh they got a great pitching staff oh yes i love their pitching staff and i'm I'm, and and i I have my fan hat all the way off I, i i love the fact that they set themselves up to have aces at least three games in a playoff series. Yeah, that's I lo- fantastic. Yeah, I love how they have that set up, and they got healthy at the right time too because they were. It was like it was. It was almost like a race between the Yankees and the Astros as to who could who could who could persevere through the the amount of injuries they had because it was like man, both players on, on both teams have players just falling right and left. But they were still winning. I'm like, God, they're talented. All right. So the Astros finally healed up. It seems like everything is everything is working in their favor. I really love them. I mean, it, it just it's just as a team. They're 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 the right age. Mm-hmm. Uh they're the they're the right temperament. Now they have the right experience with it because they've won a championship. They've gotten they've gotten the test. And they've learned how they learned how bitter it felt to not to to not win an ALCS last year with the with the Red Sox. So I I think they're they're battle tested. They know what championship uh, they know what a championship tastes like. They know what a championship loss tastes like. To me, they're the favorites. However, I'm not going to say they're the clear cut favorites because if the to me if the Yankees the Yankees get home field advantage in the ALCS against the Astros. I'm not quite sure, and I'm not so settled on the Astros advancing to mm-hmm. the World Series. I think they can still because they're a good road team, but it is hard to beat that Yankees team playing them four games in Yankee Stadium where they could just bomb you away. Where you know that you can get them in Minute Maid Park and they could just pitch the Astros can pitch the Yankees to have them bats be silent. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if they could do it in the Bronx. So. To me, it's like it's a it's a battle between the Astros and the Yankees, and I and I say and I would say whoever gets home field between those two in ALCS, that's who's going to advance the World Series. And I think, and I'm leaning toward Yankees more than Astros. Yankees, okay. What about yeah. on the other side, Dodgers? Is that is that the clear favorite? The Dodgers are to me the clear cut favorite. The yeah. only ones who I think who could probably give them a hiccup. Cubs? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a Cubs guy. I know, I know you're a Cubs guy. Uh, the, the the issue with the issue with the Cubs is is the same thing with, that I can say with the Cardinals, with the Brewers. <laughs> they're, they're battling each other. It's almost right. like a war of attrition. And so the, and I think the stat is the Cubs have blown like over 15 games this year. Like they just don't have a very good bullpen. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's gonna if they do advance to the ALDS, that's gonna be an issue for them. Mm-hmm. 
the the only competition I see the Braves having, I'm sorry, the the Dodgers having an NL is probably the Braves. Mm-hmm. And and I, and I and I wince because that Braves team is still too young to really compete with a battle tested team like the Dodgers because you know they've won the NL two years in a row. Mm-hmm. So. Um, I really can't see another team in the NL stop the Dodgers. I, I I really do think they. I won't say it's a clear sale for them, but they are the clear cut favorites to me in the NL. Because it's it's to me it's the Dodgers, and I can't see another team. And the AL it's a toss up between the Yankees and Astros, but I'm leaning Yankees. I would yeah I would I would agree with that. I think the Dodgers are those the three teams you just mentioned are all battle tested. Mm-hmm. Proven teams. I'm not Yankees haven't won a World Series, but they're right, they're right there, uh, yeah. and they're so young. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, it's so much talent. It's ridiculous, actually. I mean, I mean, the, the year they weren't even supposed to do Jack, they pushed the eventual World Series champ Astros to seven games. Right. So, you know, to me, that you know that says okay. I think they're hungry for the next step. Mm-hmm. You know, and and now they're good. The only issue that I have for the Yankees is can the starters give them six innings? That's the only issue I have with them. Can the starters give them six innings? Because I think if they can get to the seventh inning with a lead, I think they can they can win. Mm-hmm. But it's if they cannot get, if the starters cannot give them six innings, they'll be in trouble. Conversely, with the Astros. If the if the starting pitching staff can't get them six innings, or if they get or if the if the opposing bats give gets to their bullpen, it's 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 trouble for for the Astros because I don't like their bullpen at all. I don't like it at all. It's almost as if you almost have to have you almost have to have them do two at least two in a series complete games hmm. for them to really have a good shot. And that's asking a lot. That's asking a lot in modern day from baseball. Any arms, yeah. Yes, for any arm, that's asking a lot. Yeah, it'll be interesting. I mean, the baseball's baseball's in a good spot. I think the the, the there's a lot of interesting teams in good markets. Mm-hmm. Obviously, um, I think yeah, baseball's in a, in a really nice spot in terms of uh, competitively. Now, yeah, we're not not talking about uh, what we talked about earlier about the, the casual fan getting into baseball. I think there's a lot mm-hmm. of work to be done, but competitively on the field. If you are a baseball fan, I think oh, yeah. it's a good time. Yeah, if you're a baseball purist, yeah, you you love it because there there is action, especially in AL, because now you have the Twins, the A's, and the Indians. You know who you know who 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 of the three of those teams are going to be the the ones to throw the monkey wrench into the Astros and Yankees' plans? Right, that's a good thing. Yeah. It's a good thing to have that. So yeah, you got that competitive. Uh, competitive Jones in the in the AL for sure, and baseball in general. It's yeah, it, it's great, and I look forward to seeing what happens in October. I really do. Yeah. Um. Do you do you follow combat sports at all? Some, some. I follow it some. Uh, I, I'm more of a I'm more of a boxing fan than mm. I am an MMA fan, but I watch MMA because I, I I like how how they get down at times too. <laughs> I am a so I'm a big MMA fan, but. My I grew up boxing. Or not I didn't, I didn't box, but my dad was a big boxing fan. So I yeah. I can have those conversations. But it's always interesting. I know like the older generation always kind of gravitates towards boxing. Yeah. Um. I mean, at one time, and I wasn't around for this, but one time it was boxing, football, or boxing, baseball, and horse racing were like the top sports in America. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, it, it 
it was a time where America lived for and not and not just boxing, heavyweight, heavyweight boxing, division yeah. boxing. It was a time they just lived for the big time heavyweight bout. And and when you had those bouts like Ali Frazier, um, even when Frazier and unfortunately when Frazier was destroyed by Foreman, even that match, mm-hmm. people were looking forward to seeing that. You know, uh, Norton Ali. Uh, I mean, you can go on anything that Tyson did in the eighties, right? I mean, and and of course, unfortunately, when Tyson wasn't the boss, he was in the eighties, but he was busty TV for pay per view in the nineties. You know, people were geared up and geeked up for watching boxing, well, uh, but it's li- not that way now. No, it's not that way. I mean, I was going to say is the the reason for that was the fact that you were legitimately like, people were like, this is legitimately the heavyweight champ is the baddest person in the world. Yes. And I mean, it's not that way anymore. Although boxing is in a better spot now than it's been in past, especially heavyweight boxing. Mm -hmm. Um, There's legitimately three, four guys that can claim that they're the best, which is Mm -hmm. really exciting for boxing. The problem with boxing, and this has been going on for a while, is the fact that you just can't get the top guys to fight each other. And when you do have to get them to fight each other, it takes forever. Mm-hmm. And you have to pay for it. <laughs> and, it and here's the funny thing about that. It, it's bled into the other divisions of boxing. Take yeah. the middleweight division with Manny Pacquiao and Floyd Mayweather. Right. That fight should have happened five years earlier. Oh, my gosh. They had no business fighting in 2015. That should have happened in 2010. Right. When both were in their primes, when both could have given us the our money's worth. Yeah, but we, instead... They, but instead, they rob us in boxing yeah, <laughs> by they, taking a purse yeah. of five hundred million each, five hundred million total. So I'm like, okay. Oh, we, I mean, we we the the fight we saw. Not only did it stink, but it was a very diminished version of what that fight should have been. Yeah, you know, we should, we should have seen Manny when and like right when Manny Pacquiao knocked out Hatton. Yes, um, or around the time he was beating up Hatton and Cotto, we should have seen them fight. Yeah, yeah, because. I wanted to see how a Mayweather who is supposed to defensive wizard and to me, he has nothing on the late P, uh, sweet P Whitaker with defense. Pernell Whitaker. Yeah. Nice. He, to me, he has nothing on Whitaker when it comes to defense, but I wanted to see that type of defense that Mayweather touted tested against a guy who could pressure you like a Mayweather. I mean, like a, like a, like a Pacquiao. Yeah. But not be slowed down by age, but actually be in his prime, could knock you out right. and could put that pressure on you and could continue to put that pressure on you. I wanted to see that. Yeah. But, you know, we're, we're reduced to crossing our fingers and hoping that we get the bout that we and, and actually the two bouts they've had. It, it's been good, but I think it could have been better. The, the Canelo triple G bouts. It's like we're crossing our fingers and hoping we have bouts like that. Mm-hmm. But we're looking at them and saying we're looking at that bout and saying. That's good. I and, and and as a boxing purist, I totally get how I can like what I'm seeing. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, mm, I know for a casual fan, they're looking at this and saying, "God, I rather MMA." Yeah, because it's like you see, it's like you're seeing two guys who are strategically trying to get their points in instead of trying to either knock the other out or put them in a disadvantageous position with whatever strengths they have. Mm-hmm. You know. And then and, and, and you have uh, supposedly you have a guy in Triple G who's supposed to put the pressure on a fighter and you have Canelo who's a counterpuncher. Right. And uh, normally when you have 
each guy who is in that element, that normally is a good fight. But when both are conservative, it's a turnoff. Mm-hmm. And I think we saw bits of in both fights where it's like, okay, I see the potential. But overall, it's like, man, they, they're just too conservative. Mm. I, I like both fighters and I like both fights. But it's like if I if I would look at it from from a casual boxing fan, I would not want to watch boxing because I'm like, this is boring. It's like 12 rounds of dancing. <laughs> yeah. You know? I mean, MMA lends itself, especially to a casual fan that's just looking for violence. I mean, there, it's just MMA lends itself to just being viscerally a little bit more exciting um, when it comes to that, just because there's just so, so, so many different variables and weapons that people can use. Now, I, I now this is where I was turned off on MMA. Okay, when when I was looking at this Conor McGregor guy, and I'm thinking, okay, so he's knocking out people. Yeah, this is gonna be interesting. All right, so then he fights Nate Diaz a second time. Okay, and so he's and so he's he's tagging Diaz the first two rounds. I'm like, okay, so the, this might be something to this Scott, uh, this um, to this Irish guy. All right, cool. And then he gets on his bicycle in round three. I'm like, come on, dude. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> really? You got this man on the ropes and you're protecting your lead. I'm like, no, man. <laughs> you're, you, no, man. You mean to tell me you were out of gas like that? Okay. Nah. So f- from my perspective, being an MMA fan and seeing uh, hundreds, thousands of MMA fights mm-hmm. and having actually trained a little bit in it. Mm-hmm. He was actually just tired. <laughs> yeah. He, he he so Conor McGregor's whole thing is he he can he normally knocks you out in the first couple rounds. Right. Um, he doesn't have necessarily the gas tank that a lot of like an Nate Diaz has or anything right. um, like that. So he legitimately was just tired, which is which can be frustrating if you're like, wow, why is this guy running away from the mm-hmm. fight? So yeah, I, I can see your perspective. Yeah. So that unfortunately will that turned me off of Connor altogether. Mm. So I'm like, oh man. So this guy basically is just a knockout artist who has no conditioning whatsoever. This sucks. <laughs> <laughs> well, he hasn't fought in a very long time. He's been kind of getting himself in a lot of trouble with the law. Yeah, yeah, and I think he's noticed that. And I remember this retirement that he said that he he's undergoing. And I, I'm like, okay, fine. I'll 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 believe it when I see it that it's a true retirement. He, he's not retired. I don't think he's retired either, but I, re- I believe what you just said. He's caught up in too much legal stuff to where he can't fight. Yeah, he's 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 a product of literally just being getting so popular and mm. not um, not thinking things through all the time that he's just getting himself in stupid shit situations all the time. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, well, we're coming up on our time here. I think. Okay. At least, I think you. I think you're you're good, right? Yeah. <laughs> Right. Yeah, yeah, I'm good. Um, so what I'd usually do here is at the end, I let you kind of just plug whatever you want to plug. And I know there's some podcasts we talked about, mm-hmm. some books, but the floor is yours, Cole. I, first off, thanks for being on, and I, I'm going to let you plug whatever you want to plug. Well, Anthony, thank you for the, the time and the vine. I appreciate that. And all right, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I have an audio for all of you who are heartbroken and has gone through a divorce is painful. I've been there. I know the feeling, you know, having being dumped is painful. Having someone say that I don't love you anymore. is painful. No matter if it's a divorce or heartbreak, but I really do have a video. uh, I'm sorry, an audio, a free one. It's called how to heal from heartbreak that I really believe if you listen to it, it will change your perspective on your hurt. 
because all of us have been through it. It is nothing new, but I really believe the perspective that I'm giving you is something that's, I won't say it's new, but I think it's refreshing to hear at the time you're going through your heartbreak. And you can find that at getoverdivorce.org. That's getoverdivorce.org. Now, I have a supplemental podcast along with it. It's called Get Over Divorce. You can find that at pippa.io forward slash get over divorce. That's all one word. Uh, I have that for you. Uh, I have an interview podcast. One I'm going to have Anthony on eventually. Hey. One that I, I have don't know had, why. <laughs> <laughs> one that I have had Imran on, and you will hear that next week. Nice. Uh, it is uh, at pippa.io forward slash revelations. You can find those two. On those platforms and all major podcast directories, as well as the last one that I'm going to plug, you can find that at ColdSportsWithAZ.com. That's ColdSportsWithAZ.com. That is ColdSportsWithAZ.com. <laughs> there you go. Perfect, man. Well, again, thank you for your time, and um, we'll definitely have to do this again sometime. I, I definitely will... Uh, would love to be on your show, and uh, this isn't a one-off thing for this show. I'm I'm happy to have guests on back on and and have new conversations. So I enjoyed All this. Right. Well, I enjoyed it too. Thank you, Anthony. And uh, yeah, whenever you want to have this again, I'll be glad to do it. This is a Danger Entertainment podcast. DangerEntertainment.net. Danger Entertainment Podcast Network. Hey guys, this is Venice, and I've got a message from a friend of mine about my favorite podcast. It's your boy, Flavor Flav and Full Effect. Check this out, everybody. I want y'all to go check out TJ. What's good, everybody? TJ Johnson here from Voice from the Underground. I am the most handsome. Big ass. And I'm smoking my cigar, of course. You know what I'm saying? The Dutch. You pick me up in an Uber and a PT Cruiser, I'm calling Lyft. <laughs> Instead be fighting the power, talking about social issues, politics, you know what I'm saying? And we're not even that good. Right, we're terrible. Terrible. Tangents <laughs> all over the place. And not only that, but they be keeping it fun with the sports, music, comics, and movies too. Am I allowed to I talk? Think, I think, no, not right now. <laughs> Shut up, <you> just... colonizer! <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? He on Twitter at... VFU podcast. So you can find them. You can find them. So check one, two. This is Flavor Flav. Yeah, boy. Okay. What Flav was trying to say is check out Voice from the Underground on your favorite podcast network. Voice from the Underground.